This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome, everyone, to yet another episode of Diagnosing the Aftermarket A to Z. I'm Matt Fonslow, and today I get to have my really good friend, Noah Alhamid, the owner of Brooklyn Park Auto Service. I met him at a class put on by Mike Christofferson in Minnesota, kind of really set up by our mutual friend, Sean Tipping. Noah is Sean's hero. No, Sean yes. is my hero. No, no, no. No, no, no. Sean's my hero. Sean Tipping of the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. So he posted this class by Mike Christofferson, and Noah was there. And I'm not sure why, but we hit it off. We get along. I still suck at EEPROM, by the way. So do I. So Noah and I are going to talk about something. But before we do that, let me thank our sponsor, Napa Autotech Training. Napa Autotech offers three-hour virtual technical classes that can be accessed from the comfort of your home. To find out what courses are available, Go to NapaAutotech.com and click on the Napa Autotech class calendar link. All right, man. Thanks for joining me. Hell yeah. It's always a pleasure, Matt. I think you get my jokes and I get your jokes a little bit. Oh, you're a little too smart, you and your jokes. I have to like do research and stuff to understand your jokes. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. You have to look in history books. Yes. History, encyclopedia. Oh, that's why that's funny. He's old. That's That's an old movie. That movie was made before he was born. Why is he referencing that? You know, I think I know why I like you so much. It's remember when we talked about Lord of the Rings and you said you like that, you and your kids? Yep. So I, I think that's why I like you the most. Yeah, I like the Lord of the Rings trilogy a lot. The The Hobbits are okay, but just, I don't know, they couldn't hit that same. Yeah, those three movies, that's it. Yeah, nothing to be still, that's for sure. And then the extended versions. I, I can hardly watch the the abridged versions. I think I've only seen the Return of the King extended version. They're already so long. Come on, Matt. They're already it's true, so long. but like that extra 10, 15 minutes really fleshes things out. You know, the beginning of Fellowship of the Ring, just a little bit more depth about the Hobbits. Just a little bit. You don't even notice it. I mean, you're already there for, you know, half the day anyways. You might as well. What's 15 minutes more? No, don't get me wrong. I, I watch an hour more. I, I love that. I, I love all those movies. I think they're on HBO Max. They're on Max. And you want me to pay $10 a month for that? No. For you, that's a drop in the bucket. I've seen you throw cash. That's different. You dropped more than that on the way out of that steakhouse. You didn't even know it. That dinner was really beneficial to me, all right? <laughs> so I needed to do that, okay? I enjoyed it. Honestly, it was, it was a really great night. I, we, I had a great night. I don't know about you guys. I asked them what they had on tap, and they started rattling off all these beverages I've never heard of before in my life. And I go, do you got tap water? I feel like that's a city thing, by the way. Where they just have really weird beards. I just go with it, you know, to my taste. But I just get a long island and I say, call it a day. Your attention span is probably worse than mine. <laughs> we should probably focus on automotive. <laughs> yeah, let's focus on automotive. <laughs> People still say how expensive I am. Dude, they would say that if you were $50 an hour. We talked about this, Matt. Remember the area that I'm in? Okay. <laughs> the white people have the good customers. <laughs> All right. You guys can't see Noah, but he's not white. He's established that. Yes, I'm Iraqi. I'm really tan. Extra tan because of the sun. He's naturally tan. It's nothing to do with the sun. Well, it changes with the weather. Sometimes I'm purple during Your the winter. Your skin color changes with the weather? Yeah, bro. I'm a chameleon. What do you look like when it snows out? I, I just said I'm purple. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. But you're slammed with so much work because your labor rate's so low. Well, I mean, I went up 25 bucks, like you guys said, and I lost a lot of customers. 
No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's honestly, it didn't really change. It's it's really weird. So I have I have these few shops next to me, and literally, like when they're slow, I'm slammed. When I'm slow, they're slammed. It's so weird, but we do different things. And also, my thing also is because like I install like used engine transmission transfer cases, differentials. You know, maybe maybe that's also what keeps me busy. You know, even though I said I was gonna take a good break from those big jobs, but. Honestly, when it's so slow, what am I going to do? Just kick rocks? Let me just do something. I think years ago, that might have been almost viewed as a negative thing. You know, oh, you're the shop that puts in the used stuff, you know. Now, especially like post-COVID, more and more shops are being forced to use used if they can even get their hands on a used part, you know, be it an engine transmission or part part module. They're learning about the new hurdles involved. And so if you're doing that and you're succeeding, you know, and again, it's not all about just labor aid. It's also about what kind of a product you're putting out there. You know, long story short, I think over time, and you got to get paid though for this too, not to just keep hammering you about your labor rate and charging people, but you have to be able to stay in business, keep taking care of those customers and also keep expanding your abilities to make this used stuff work because that's a new skill set that a lot of people are new to, don't use, have never had to really deal with to the degree that we are now, right? I mean, used parts used to be able to, you know, of course the mechanical stuff just bolt it right in and all that, but the electronic stuff, there's more and more hurdles and you've already made a big investment on stuff to do it. I think I've used my VVDI prog once and it just stopped working. Stopped working? Literally, like, so here's the deal. So I bought four laptops to try to make this damn thing work, okay? And I finally bought a Panasonic Windows 7 because that's better, I guess, with the antivirus. You still have to deactivate the and damn antivirus. And yeah, and I deleted the whole thing and I went on X-Horse and I even tried a different website, download the, the latest and greatest VVDI software, whatever. And I go in there and I connect everything the way I should and I would go to connect. Nothing. And, you know, keep in mind, I'm selecting the right chip and all this, you know, what it is and that the, the number of the chip and all that. I can't damn connect it. I put that thing under my XP400 with the auto, connect just fine. Your PC is seeing the device. It sees the VVDI prog. You're updating it. It can read the serial number and firmware version level. And that's the thing. So, like, I, I can't, like, I, I don't understand it because I haven't used it so much. So, like, I don't know what to really look for. All I know is just a device not connected. And I don't know if it means the VVDI. Or it means the thing that it's connected to VDI, you know? You're just going to have to bring it with next time you take Sean and I to dinner. Yes, yes. Over time, hopefully, you'd notice fewer of those valleys. Like you're saying, you know, if you're busy, the other shop's not busy, and then vice versa. And hopefully what happens is those gaps of not being very busy for you start closing. What do you mean by that? You're more consistently busy, whether it's work that is just coming in the doors for you that would normally come in. And then hopefully these other shops in your immediate vicinity learn that, hey, Noah can get some of this stuff to work. Hey, Noah, we want to put a used transmission in this. You know, are, are we going to be in trouble with this? Can we just bolt it in and away we go? And you're like, no, you got to, we're going to have to do this or I can do this or I can clone this or, you know, I, I got you. I can help you out. And if you can't, you know a guy who knows a guy that can get you up and going. Exactly. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, that's hopefully the path I want to take, you know, and I told Sean this too, actually, like, I'm probably going to have to run for another two, maybe three, maybe four years, you know, 
before I could actually start getting people like to know, like, hey, like I'm going towards the electrical, the programming and, the, you know, the EEPROM stuff, you know, kind of more hard on whatever. But yeah, right now I still have to wrench. Still have a guy working for you? Oh, yeah, I have to. Yeah, I still have my service advisor who's also a mechanic. So let's say like I have to leave the shop for an hour or whatever, you know, and a big job comes and whatever. Yeah, he'll get it done. He's top notch. I have this guy who just came back from Iraq and we made this thing to put pressure in the AC system. I have to show you it and make sure you approve before I post it anywhere. It's pretty sick. All I got to tell you is I, I found a refrigerator in the trash and I took the bump out of it. You took what out of the trash? The pump of the out of the refrigerator. Snip, snap. <laughs> yep, closed one end off, had one that allows regular air to come in, you know, just from the atmosphere, and then the other's hooked up to a hose, and it goes into my gauge, and yeah, well, we'll talk about it. That sounds like a lot of work. No, it's really not. I swear to God it's not. It's genius. I had a hundred, I swear, if you see it, it's so janky, but I think it could be perfected with something better. I literally buy a brand new pump. It still cost me less than three grand for that. I know some people use shop air. They suck out the refrigerant, and then they pressurize the AC system with shop air and use like soapy water or something to find leaks. There's a CO2, so that is the ATS bullseye system. If you buy the big kit, I think it's, it adds up fast. I don't think it's just Robin Air, but Robin Air has a, a system that uses something called forming gas, and that's long been used for many years for leak detection in industrial applications where the gas is 95% nitrogen, 5% hydrogen. And then there's a leak detect sniffer, electronic sniffer, if you will, that looks for the hydrogen. You could still use, you know, soapy water. The advantage is you get a nice big tank for 100 bucks, 200 bucks. CO2 is probably very much the same. And then you just regulate it into the system. If you want, you can fill the system. Nitrogen doesn't really react to temperature the way regular air and, of course, refrigerant does. Uh, hence, remember where the big rage about pumping tires up with nitrogen? It's because you didn't get the pressure variances due to temperature quite like you did with regular air atmosphere. We have that system, the forming gas system, and we've knock on wood, we've had very good luck with that. You just have to remember, okay, I'm a really small fish, okay? And I'm trying to get as much money out of this person coming to me when it comes to diagnostic, all right? <laughs> and I'm not going to spend three grand. And this guy's like, oh, I'll take it somewhere else. Shut up. I'm taking this $100 right now. With the cart. So I bought a cart for the tank because the tanks, I don't want to guess the volume is, but it's about five feet tall and, and plenty heavy. So I bought the cart. The tank of gas is cheap. I mean, it was like 100 bucks, 120 bucks. The cart, their cart, they're very proud of that cart. And it's a nice, it's okay, but I don't know if it's worth as much as paid for. You have to say how much is the cart. Uh, I think it was like 400 bucks. Oh my God, I knew it. Yes. So you got the cart, the tank, and then the regulator system with the electronic leak detector from Robin Air. That was all together, we probably have about a grand invested roughly. Oh, that's not bad at all, actually. It's, it wasn't too bad at all. And just talking to some people, namely like Tim Easy, kind of got his stamp of approval and that's, it was a no-brainer from then on. That's that's the way I went. Tim's very, not only just super smart, but also very much involved with like Macs, not Mac tools, Macs, like the Mobile Air Conditioning Society. Oh, oh, wow. I don't know. Did I see him on the APROM thing? Was he, is he also one of the teachers with Chris and uh, Mike's? Or no? 
I, I would be stunned if he wasn't. I'd have to look, but I'm pretty sure he's in there. So I'm wondering if I took a class with him or not, or maybe he taught a class with him. Yeah, someday I'll meet most of these guys. Maybe I'll feed them steaks and forget about you and Sean, huh? I mean, that'll probably improve your life, yeah. Wouldn't you be mad? Come on, wouldn't you be jealous? I want you to be jealous. <laughs> Tell me you want me for yourself. <laughs> I got one fan. I can't lose you. <laughs> what is it going to take? For 98 years, the Napa name has meant quality parts and service. It also reflects top quality training programs to help you build a more successful vehicle repair business. No doubt, the technician shortage is impacting everyone, but you're not facing this battle alone. Napa has the solution by making Napa AutoTech training available near you. Napa AutoTech provides automotive aftermarket technicians career development opportunities through structured, disciplined, measured, and high-quality technical instruction, no matter the technician or service advisor skill level. This instruction enhances understanding of vehicle systems, increases first-time repair capability, and overall customer satisfaction. It also prepares technicians to become ASE certified. It's a fact. Technicians who receive training to improve their knowledge and skills have a higher sense of job satisfaction. This reduces technician turnover and increases productivity, directly improving a shop's profitability. It is vital to the success of a shop's business that today's technicians are equipped to diagnose and repair today's complex vehicles. With our ever-changing technology, the technician's knowledge and skills need to be updated and refreshed on a regular basis. As you labor over the decision of whether to send your techs to get their skills sharpened, keep in mind, Napa AutoTech training is an investment, not an expense, and it's available to all. Much of Napa AutoTech's training is offered in more than one format to accommodate varieties of learning styles and training preferences so each person can maximize their learning. Whether you're more of a hands-on person or enjoy learning at your own pace, Napa AutoTech is here to provide you with the training you need and the format that works best for you. To learn more about what Napa AutoTech offers, contact NapaAutoTech.com. Dude, I have to tell you about the stupid Cadillac CTS 2011 that I did an engine on that took way too long. First of all, I don't know if you've done one. Do you do engines at all anymore? You... I did one in school. Yeah, I did one on my parents' 85 Lincoln Town car because it was bad. And I got had to do an engine swap as part of my engines course. I've maybe done two or three others. But recently, but I, but I'm talking about recently in the shop. You don't do it. No, God, no. I don't even know where my ratchets are anymore. Smart guy. Back to the stupid Cadillac, dude. It should be just a simple engine swap, right? I've done so much work on the 3.6, on the Enclave, the Acadia, and the freaking Equinox and whatever, right? Cool. The best way, you know, is to drop it with the cradle. Cool, right? No problem. But you have to freaking disconnect the brake line. Do you have the AGA table? No, I, I I have a, there was a welder and I bought that cart from him. I had a, I have a really good uh, metal table that I set my stuff on. Super heavy duty. Lower the hoist down to it. Yep, yep. And put the cradle and stuff on it and then lift the car up. So yeah, like I said, you have to take the damn brake lines off and drop it because the ABS pump sits on that damn cradle. And you have to take the freaking mass cylinder out, you know, from the actual car, you know, frame, whatever, and drop it with it. Cool. No problem, right? I swear to God, bro, I think I did the the brake bleed like five times and we're not encountering the regular brake bleed and let it drip and all that no i'm talking about the automatic brake bleed just to freaking get it to work dude that thing was insane okay that was literally harder than doing the freaking motor it was literally harder than doing the freaking motor and i'm trying and i think i used two different scanners too the uh, this freaking 608 and that snap-on zoos that you try to get to work every shop should have a snap-on scan tool 
the Zeus is rough just because, yeah, it's a lot of money. But for a guy like you, you probably got two, three of them. Are you serious, dude? I'm the poor guy here, bro. I'm the immigrant. Did you forget? I'm an immigrant. You're flying all around the world. It's called American Express points. Fly my own points. <laughs> yeah, I think a Solus Edge for sure. I was in Syria this year and I was walking and I saw this guy use the Keto Max. X Horse. Okay. Yeah, the X Horse. Probably does way more than ours does here. I guarantee you, man. I guarantee you. And yeah, and he's doing all kind of stuff with it, man. This guy's got wires. And I'm like, dude, the car is, it's, it's an Iranian car. It's called the S-A-I-B-A. Okay. And it's just like the lowest brand of cars available ever. So I thought Saab went out of business. They just changed some letters around. That's and... funny. It's actually an Iranian car. It has nothing to do with Saab. They bought it from Sweden. I don't think so. Cause that thing is so outdated, bro. I don't even think it has a freaking radio. But it has a mobilizer? I think he was using other stuff. I don't think he was using it like to program a key. I was going to say it's ahead of like Hyundai Kia. Yeah. Which, by the way, speaking of uh, keys and Saab, my body's got the Saab and it took forever to freaking add another key because we don't have the Tech 2. You could have borrowed mine. We talked about this. I'm not driving two and a half hours to borrow one thing. Well, then it's just not that important. I will throw the whole freaking car away, bro, before I drive out to <laughs> <What>? you. <laughs> Yeah, but we ended up getting another EEPROM just because I don't know if that thing is just, I, maybe I hit it too much or one of the legs went to crap, but Craig ended up just finishing it, but yeah. You did the chip swap or were you trying to use like AR Labs? We took that and then we put it in this website that gave us the PIN number. And when we try to put it back into the, because you know, it's like part of the turn signal switch, whatever. Every time we solder it back, it just, now the car has no key, it doesn't communicate, whatever. So we just ended up getting another EEPROM, same number, same whatever. And then we just wrote the, the file that we already had in there. And then we did the key. But that took forever because we had to keep, we, we kept forgetting about it, honestly. We were just, you know, busy with the work for this car. Yeah, the sobs I've done is all tech too and all DLC. Because you know how you can download the, the thing on a laptop, the, the emulator or whatever? I don't know if tech two win will do sob. So you had TIS 2000, which came on disks. And then they had TIS. Global, I think it's just called Global TIS, and that's what you needed to do Saab. And really, you don't really deal with pin numbers and all that. You have to have Tech 2 plugged into the Saab and plugged into the laptop with Global TIS. And all that happens is it kind of unlocks the Tech 2's ability to do what you need to do on the car. So once it does that, you don't need the Tech 2 even connected to the laptop anymore. It now can do the, and I'm using air quotes, programming. And then it just adapts the keys and everything. So using that, you still need a pin number or does it pull the pin number automatically? It just... If I remember right, it's more like typical GM, not that Saab's a GM or anything. But, you know, if we use an aftermarket tool to add a key to a GM, there's a pin code it's got to pull. It pulls the pin code and then that will allow it to go into, you know, key learning. And you still have like a 10, 12 minute login to add the key. Whereas the factory equipment, whatever that may be, we'll just say SPS, there's no pin pulling. It doesn't ask for a pin. There's no pin calculation, even though that may be going on behind the scenes. You don't see any reference to it. It just goes to the key adding or key learning function and then a 10-minute, 12-minute login. Yeah, I haven't used any factory to add a key, but, you know, I like a, I probably module and stuff like that here and there but like i said i barely do it man i i want to i really want to do a lot more of it i have all this 
information that is really beneficial, but right now I'm useless. <laughs> it's useless to me. I can't. I want to. Don't get me wrong, but I don't get a lot of it. I know how to say a bunch of stuff, but I don't know how to do it. If Matt doesn't know, nobody knows, remember? No, then Matt hopefully knows who to ask. Yeah, right? Yeah, you probably have a lot of phone numbers, don't you? <laughs> they don't answer them. <laughs> they don't? They're smart. That's funny because I try to call you. You never pick up. You call later. <laughs> Sometimes two weeks later. <laughs> but I call or I send a message like, what do you want? I don't like how you don't give me a heart emoji when I send you really funny <laughs> videos. My phone doesn't have heart emojis. I got the version that deleted them out. Yeah, okay. Are you an iPhone user? Is that why? Oh, God, yeah. I didn't really want an iPhone. Very happy with Android, but the kids, the tablets, the iPads and all that. Then my wife got an iPhone because it's easy for her then to kind of oversee their stuff. So then they're all able to FaceTime and all that jazz, and I had my Android. I was okay with that, I guess, but try to integrate and... She's asking me, like, your phone's ready for an upgrade. What do you want? Give me whatever. Yeah, so I got an iPhone. I kind of, in a way, can't wait to go back to Android. Yeah, I, I I tried iPhone for a little but no way. I went back right away. It's just, it's just too slow for me. What else do we have for the agenda? What do we forget to talk about? And I feel bad for the person that's going to have to listen to this boring-ass podcast. Or episode. Sorry. Episode, episode. <laughs> no, man, you tell it like it is. That's what I like about you. You're just a straight shooter. Don't know how to pull a punch. When is next training? Because I totally forgot. Like you said, I've been traveling and I totally forgot that I'm still a mechanic. So when you say like the next training, what does that mean? Well, I mean, what's after vision? Is it already going to be the South Carolina or North Carolina? What was it? North Carolina? I'm guessing you went to ASTE. Yes, yes. The big event was like right away. That's in New York. Like, I think that's the weekend after Vision. And then it seems like Super Saturday. I think they had like an iScan conference. I want to say that was out in Utah. And then, yeah, I think AST is coming up in what, September? Uh huh. So that is AST. That's what I meant. Because I need money for your, you guys' stakes, remember? I have to bribe my way into this knowledge. The Golden Corral is not, no. Yuck, you! <laughs> I don't even eat that. I think to make you more Minnesotan this winter, we got to go. We'll probably have to go to a church, though, because that's where about the only place they serve lutefisk anymore. Is that type of fish? I don't even know what that is. Preserved cod. So it's cod preserved in lye. I, I like cod. Well, it's going to be an experience, so I look forward to it. Okay, so I can drink, but I can't, can't eat catfish or pig. Sean could probably take you out noodling, though. So you catch him. Uh, Sean is not a fun person. We talked about this. Oh, all right. He's too smart for himself. <laughs> he forgets to have fun. But yeah, should we talk about the shop and how dysfunctional my shop is compared to your empire? Yeah, it's far from an empire. Working on it. I think, honestly, we should talk more about like really small shops. So why don't we be real for once? How does one small shop try to get his shit together, basically? Okay. And... And then try to obviously grow his team and then I'll grow his shop and then move on to buying a building, which by the way, I'm still trying to buy that damn building, but it's just not happening. Of course you can't speak for everybody, but I think most big shops started out small. You can't make blanket statements about anything, but like our shop, not that it's just so big and so successful. We have a lot of improvement to make yet. 
but we're on the path. I think we're on the path. But that started out, it was just two of us. You know, I guess technically started out with three and then we dropped down to two and then kind of just bouncing, you know, almost like a needle where then we add somebody and then we might lose somebody and then we add somebody and then lose somebody and then add two, lose one. I don't know. It's almost like building a, you know, whatever kind of a team. You got to find the right pieces. And sometimes you go through people that are very, very capable. They're really good at whatever, but they don't fit like personalities or whatever. And then sometimes it's just trying to find talent. Like you you hire people because there's only so much you can determine from a interview and they work out. They don't work out. A lot of times the, the shop hurts itself by not having a good process of onboarding and training and me, you know, taking somebody that maybe is malleable and training them to their potential, I guess. It's up and down. It's not just straight up rocket ship ride to, you know, whatever success. And I, I want to use careful how I use the word success. I don't know, you know, the shop's profitable. So I would say that we're successful in that we're profitable, but we still have a ways to go. I mean, and you got to start somewhere and just like you, right? It's one or two people and you do what you got to do to get the cars out and you work at building up that reputation. And then you got to get the word out that you exist and that you're an option. Friends that wouldn't normally Google you start Googling your shop or just not Googling your shop, like Google auto repair Brooklyn Park. Where do you show up? Or auto repair near me. Where do you show up? Exactly. So actually, I think that's what what helps me the most. Honestly, is when people just search auto repair near me. You know, because I'm my name is literally Brooklyn Park Auto. I think that's why I pop up right away all the time. How are your reviews? How many reviews do you have? Is there a way to fairly easily, without a lot of effort on your part, if you can, to start driving up the number of reviews? You know, because it it looks good when you have. 100 and some reviews and you average 4.7 or 4.8. I mean, that just looks really good. No, I'm curious. What What is mine? When I took over the shop, it didn't exist. It literally did not exist. So I did all that. I even changed the damn ping on on Google Maps because it would take you somewhere else. Sort of the Facebook page. I mostly focus on Google just because I believe that's where most people are probably going to use it anyways. Well, what would you say is the, like the age demographic you, of your current clientele? I would say, in, in, from my perspective, Brooklyn Park, it's either Brooklyn Boulevard or 85th Avenue. And 85th Avenue is kind of like towards Coon Rapids, Anoka, whatever area. And Brooklyn Boulevard is kind of towards more Minneapolis. So I feel like 85, because the person that I bought the shop from had all old people or his friends that were coming there. So it's mostly like old white people that live there. That's most of it. But now people from Brooklyn Boulevard are kind of moving towards 85th Avenue. Okay. So now I'm seeing more of newer, you know, African families, you know, in their 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s, you know. But yeah, I definitely have a lot of African clientele and I love the hell out of them. They're awesome. Google reviews, no matter what, that's going to be important. But then if you have younger clientele, I don't think, I don't think ethnicity has much to do with it as much as age, but that age, the younger generation like that, Instagram might be a really important thing for you to try to get up and going, especially if they use their Instagram and they bring their car to your shop. And then there's, you know, I don't know, sitting in the waiting room or you're giving them a ride somewhere and then they're just whipping out their Instagram quick going, you know, dropping my car off with this awesome guy, Noah at Brooklyn Park Auto and tagging you. And like, that's where that can explode and really get the word out. But it takes effort. 
I just want to work on cars. That's all. I just want to work. I don't care about the business side, but that's the problem, you know? I don't know. I mean, it sounds like I'm blowing smoke up your tail, but I just feel like somebody with your personality, that you're just a really good guy. You're very sociable. You're really laid back and, and funny and stuff like that, where people will become comfortable working with you, and rightfully so. Already you do good work. You had that, your personality, and just you to that. That's a pretty good combo to start growing this business. I mean, I don't think you're lacking car count. It's now you got to start making money on the cars that are in there, which is now you got to focus on that labor rate and the parts matrix. Are you gross profiting on parts around 50%? Yep, that's what I've been doing on that. The stuff that costs you a lot of money is hard to turn around and but you know, you won't get maybe the gross profit percentage, but you know, it's a lot of dollars. If you're going to be that shop doing the big work nobody else wants to do, then you might as well get paid to do it. I mean, honestly, profit wise, whatever, based on like what my expenses are and all that, doing great. And, and the fact that I could buy, you know, a, a scan or whatever, it's fine with me. You know what I mean? And the travel. So I, I know I have that, but the problem is I need to put it on paper. Okay. That's my problem. I need to put it on paper so that way when I leave, the idea is let's say Craig is sick, that other person can know exactly what needs to get done. That is my problem, you know? So I'm I'm taking it's going to be like SOPs, so standard operating procedures, something like that. Exactly. But to at some point do that if I decide to grow actually bigger, bring in people that I don't know. And that's the thing because like most of the people that work for me are people I know. My plan is if I can get the building that I'm in, I'll stay doing, you know, what I'm doing, but I can like downsize, so I can focus on the EPROM and programming and all that and doing, you know, diagnostic and electrical, whatever, and maybe light jobs, you know, brakes, ball joints, whatever, wheel bearings, you know, valve cover gasket, tune-ups, whatever, and skip out the whole big jobs unless I absolutely have to or something interesting, okay? And then anyways, I'll have eight more bays to rent out. So they'll just pay my mortgage. That's my plan because I don't see myself as owning a big, shop where I just have to have employees and all my income or whatever is only from auto repair. As a matter of fact, like I want to put that aside so I could, you know, put on my other stuff that I want to do. Remember I told you I want to teach, you know, down the road or create some sort of curriculum. So I go back to Iraq and be like, hey, this is a course if you guys want. I'll give it to you on the cheap sheet, you know? I want to help, you know? (laughs) I mean, I'm not trying to urge you or even tell you remotely what to do, but I also don't, I don't see an issue with you growing your business and setting it up in such a way that even though you are this owner of a repair, big repair shop that you don't see yourself as doing now, you could be that guy that you have the right people in the right places that you don't have to be involved directly every day or all that often. It runs itself and everybody, or not the people, especially in the key places, benefit from having the shop run the way you want it and run well, freeing you up to do what you want to do which is if you want to go and teach or you want to focus on you know, EEPROM and cloning and module repair and, and diagnostics, that that's what you could do because you got other people that hammer out the you know, engines and transmissions and steering and suspension and you know, all that stuff where you, know, you could diagnose it and then it goes down the line to so-and-so because they're going to replace you know, whatever, and then ship it back up to you for verification or whatnot. You're building your curriculum because, you know, there's Noah's Bay or two. And that's that's all that goes there is these cars that are for building your curriculum. And then, you know, okay, 
and take off for a month or two, head back to Iraq and put on my classes or whatever. Or, or you could live there if you wanted for however long. I just see it, sky's the limit. It's going to take a while, but I think you could get there. First of all, it's going to take discipline. So the best way that I found for me, at least, is to have a service advisor salary and then to have a guy on commission. Okay, so that way he can make more money, obviously. And he's, I mean, most of the guys that I wanted, they wanted commission, you know? I, I offered to give them salary, but they wanted commission. Cool, no problem. And then, obviously, you know, I would be the third person that would kind of carry on, like, the job. Maybe maybe he's too busy, you know? So I'll do this engine. Or if he's doing this engine, I'll do this small job. While the service advisor is focused on that and, you know, running the office, ordering parts, you know, figure out printing diagrams, whatever, trying to figure out like how the system kind of worked for me. If let's say like I'm, I'm busy, hey, can you do this? Or just kind of find out. So like wait, when I go do my search, it's, it's kind of fast or whatever. So for me, that's how I found it, where it works the, the best. But it's that second guy that's helping me inside the shop. That's where my problem is. That's the joker that keeps changing. I cannot keep a guy there with me. That's the problem. And like, how do you do that? I'm, I don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars to try to invest in somebody right now. That's for sure. You know what I'm doing, though? I'm doing something. I have two cousins, 14-year-olds, that just love to be by my side at the shop, and I'm taking advantage, full advantage of that. Right? They're with me every day right now. They're like, oh, wow. I'm like, you have no idea how stupid your cousin is, but it's okay. Keep doing it. This is encouraging me. <laughs> I'm hoping for the best, you know? That's playing the long game, but yeah. Yeah, but right now this guy's still here, but he's thinking about going back to Iraq, so I had to think about finding out, so... As soon as I get that person or some point, someone like that, even if I have to wait, like let's say, you know, hey, can you wait two years? No offer me, you know, I'll come and then we'll figure out this thing, this whole plan. Cool. I'm willing to wait, but they're nowhere to be found, man. You know, plus uh, I think everybody's paying some serious money now, like the dealers and stuff, the whole 401k. But we'll get there, man. We'll get there. It's, it, it's a long and hard road, but we'll get there, you know? Yeah, man. I mean, that's all we can really do is keep doing what we're doing and keep working up and constantly improving and all that. So, man, that that sounds like a heck of an end to this. I wasn't even paying attention. I just said what came to my mind. Sometimes you accidentally spew out some good stuff. I mean, it's not often, but when it happens. I'm better in person. Hey, I'm better in person. <laughs> <laughs> this was great, Matt. I enjoyed this. I one. really appreciate you coming on. And uh, I hope to have you on again because this is a blast. I feel like every time we talk, it starts out like it's going to be a five-minute conversation, 10-minute conversation, and then two hours later, it's like, I got to go play Call of Duty here. True, true. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you again to Noah for joining us and being an all-good guy, a good friend. Thank you to our sponsor, Napa Autotech Training, and thank you to the Aftermarket Radio Network for really making this all possible, especially Tracy for all the editing she has to do especially on podcast episodes like this. So until next time, everyone take care. You've been listening to Matt Fonslow diagnosing the aftermarket A to Z on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Matt on your favorite listening app. He's very interested in what you have to say. Let him know what you'd like him to cover and come on the show. Matt is all for advancing the aftermarket. Find Matt Fonslow on social media and connect or on aftermarketradionetwork.com.